Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus tells this parable to people who are confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. I'm glad he's not talking to me. That's meant to be a joke. It's weird when Jesus does this with parables where uh, when you read in the, in the scriptures, sometimes we just get parables. Uh, like on Sunday, you're going to get the camel through the eye of the needle. It's actually a parable. We, it's not, we don't think of it that way because it's not a long story. But sometimes uh, Luke or the other gospel writers will give us a little heads up as to what the point of this parable might be. Um, and that's such a dangerous thing in this particular instance because I think, well, wait, he can't be talking to me in this, right? But of course, God's word is always speaking. Speaking to us, to each one of us uh, in various ways. And this particular parable, um, a, a major part of what's going on here is sight, right? So how many senses do we have as human beings? I got different answers at the 1130 service, so I don't know what people are reading, but... But yeah, typically we've got five, right? And most likely, uh, the one that you rely on more than any other is your sight. Um, in fact, it, it's interesting in kind of the medical world, that's what we want to do. We want to see things. We image stuff. We scope, right? We want to see it. We don't rely on smell or hearing or something like this, right? We go with our sight. And so this parable is actually focused a lot on uh, what is seen, what other people see, uh, what you yourself see about others or about you, and ultimately about what Jesus sees. And so we're going to take a, a look at that. But first, I've got some quiz questions for you here. I'm going to show you some images, and I want you to tell me what you see in the image. Are you ready for number one? Don't all jump at me so quickly. Okay. So first one here, what do you see? I know who it is, but tell me, what are you seeing? A winner, right? He's got a trophy. He's got, I think that's a smile. I don't know. Okay. He, there's a confetti going around. I was thinking, Kevin, maybe we could get confetti installed above sometimes for Sunday services and just drop it on us. Pat, what do you think? All right. So he is celebrating. He is a winner, right? All right, so let's look at this next one. You tell me what you see. All right, now some of you younger people are going to have to ask the others around you, because this doesn't seem that long ago to me, but whatever. Um, we're looking at Tanya Harding here. This is a figure skater. This was before they did the quadruple luxes or whatever right now, okay? Um, and what do you see here? She's sad. Um, maybe she's been embarrassed or dejected or failed in some way. I mean, that you're seeing there, there's no covering up the emotions that are going on in this. And for those of you that know other parts of her story, I won't say the whole story because you probably don't. 
but other parts of her story, uh, you can extrapolate other things that she might be sad or ashamed about uh, in her life, right? And that's what you're seeing right now. And in fact, your reactions just at the gut level uh, between the first picture and the second picture show us so much how our sight, how the appearances of things affect our responses to it. Let's look at the next one here. What do you see? And any of our younger people want to tell the other folks who this is? His name is Taika Waititi, I believe, if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, he's a director and an actor, comedian. Uh, and there you can see he's winning. Some, what is it in his hand? He's got an Oscar. All right. Uh, so he is dapper. He's well dressed to the nines, whatever that means. Um, and uh, he's looking good. All right. And even if you don't know his name, you know he's important or he's successful. Right. In some way. This next one. What do you see there? What's that? I can't, I can't. Depression, Depression maybe, yeah. You see, I mean, where do you suspect is going on in this person's life? Maybe they're homeless, right? They're in, in poverty. Um, the last guy is holding up a trophy. This guy is holding out an empty cup, right? He has some major need. And are we ever going to know his name? Not unless we ask him, right? Totally different pictures here of what you see. Now, this one, um, I don't know if this is probably gets me focused in the wrong Netflix place, but, but this was a, a series that Netflix ran, I don't know, maybe about seven or eight years ago on, it's, it's like a sports documentary, which always has me. Uh, right off the bat. Sports documentary, I'm in. <laughs> but this one was on uh, the people who don't win, which I thought was very fascinating. In fact, I think Tanya Harding was one of the featured ones in this. Um, but they focus on the losers and showing you the stories that you don't usually get to see, right, uh, that's going on there. This uh, past Sunday with our youth group, we were playing a game. Uh, we, at the 11 a.m., we do it at the Power of Gospel Kids across the hall and anyone else that joins us. And then Sunday night, we have youth group. And we were playing a 20 questions game. Uh, you guys know 20 questions. You can... Yes or no questions only, try to get the answer, right? And the game was we would have one individual uh, leave the room, and the rest of us would come up with a famous person that that individual would be, and then when they come in, they have to ask, right? Uh, am I a guy? Yes. Uh, do I play sports? Yeah. Uh, do I play basketball? Yeah. LeBron James? Yes. They got it really quickly with that one, all right? Um, so the idea was, you know, you're trying to figure out what would people say about you. Now, how about for yourself? What would be the, the first three or four things that you would want someone else to be guessing that would lead them to you? I mean, think about that. When I, I, another way of phrasing that is how do you want to appear to others? But when you think of it in that way with those kinds of questions, like if I was, if I was asking the first four things, what would I want those answers to be that would lead them to thinking it's me, 
right? Would it be my kindness? I want them to see that I'm kind. Do I want them to see that I'm smart? Do, they, do I want them to see that I have things together? What is it? What is it about us that we would want other people to guess? What do we want others to see about us? Well, today's parable is all about sight, and we get, I'll get the losers off there for a second now, and we get two uh, key people that Jesus shows us. The first one is the Pharisee, and you and I are at a disadvantage when it comes to Pharisees because um, how many of us have read a story or heard a story in the New Testament, in the Bible, about Pharisees and Jesus? Yeah, most of us. And how do they come off? Not great, right? But in Jesus's day, that is not the dynamic, right? If you are listening to Jesus' parable at that setting, in that time, by and large, you hear the, the Pharisee describe himself and you're thinking, yeah, sounds about right. He's devoted to God's word. He is faithful to his wife and his family. He doesn't uh, kill and take uh, from others around him. And he gives generously to the temple and to God's work for his people. And when the Pharisee describes himself this way, most people, that's what they would see around them. Now, you think about those descriptions. So, uh, let's see. Doesn't steal, faithful to his family, true believer, and he tithes. Don't we want this guy? This is the description of goodness that we are seeing here, right? This is what other people see when Jesus starts to talk about a Pharisee in this parable. That's what they're expecting. Not a bad guy. They're expecting something good from him. And then Jesus goes on to say what he sees. The world sees a good guy and a winner. And Jesus sees someone who is trusting in themselves and looking down on other people. You know, when I think about his prayer, uh, thank you, God, that I, I wonder, is he thanking God or is he telling God to thank him? It's a fine line sometimes in our lives, especially when we are feeling on top in life, uh, when we feel like we are God's gift to whatever the situation is. It's hard for us not to see it the same way. And of course, when Jesus is talking to people who are looking down on others, that could not possibly be us most of the time, we are thinking, right? This is hard for us to hear. Now, the tax collector is a completely different scenario. Now, how many of you like tax collectors? It still hasn't changed that much, right? Uh, but it's a little bit harsher in Jesus's day. And um, I shared this earlier today that, you know, a, a good way to get into this frame of mind, maybe for Jesus's initial hearers, is thinking about the situation in Ukraine right now. Because uh, at least for, as far as we know, Russia wants to own it, right? And if they succeed in owning it, then they're going to want to extract some taxes from the people that live there. And who do you suppose they might use to do that? Maybe some Ukrainians. And how are their fellow countrymen going to feel about them? They're going to hate them. And that's what a tax collector was in Jesus' day. 
because the Romans came in and conquered the place and said, uh, we'll be taking a portion of your money now in order to rule our empire. And we don't know all of your language and all your customs and all the people. And so they would hire on people. So people who are tax collectors in Jesus's day were essentially traitors to the rest of the community. And so when Jesus, he just says the, the term tax collector, there is a gut reaction like you guys had to some of the images in some ways. Like, I know exactly who this is and I know exactly what the problem is, right? You don't have to think about it too much. You see it and you know. But how does Jesus describe him? He stands far off. He won't even come into the threshold. I mean, I'm thinking of someone who is like... They feel like they're drawn into this space right now, into God's house, and they've come out of their car, and they're, they're almost to the door, but they just can't bring themselves to come in. And they feel like either because someone has done something or said something to them, or they've got some impression of God's people, or they just feel so ashamed of whatever it is that is, is tearing them up inside that they can't even walk through the door. That's where this guy is. He is standing far off, marginalized, not wanting to even step through. And Jesus says something about his sight. He wouldn't lift his eyes. I mean, you imagine the Pharisee standing up proudly, right? Making good eye contact with everybody, right? And the, the tax collector won't even look up. He can't even see past himself. And isn't this how it is for us when we are in the depths of despair, when we think that all that we are is broken and sinful and not beloved in the Lord? We just can't even see past ourselves, right? We're stuck within our own sight, within our own vision, you know, Jesus says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I can't argue with him because he's Jesus and he's telling us this. But I often wonder about that phrase, humbling yourself. Does anyone ever really humble themselves? I mean, aside from Jesus. Right? St. Paul tells us that he who has equality with God did not consider it something to hold on to, but humbled himself to become a servant to face death, even death on a cross for you and me. He humbles himself. But do we ever really want to humble ourselves? No. I mean, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I won't speak for you. But I always think about that. You go back to the guy with the award. And you ever see this in award shows where people are receiving all of this adulation? And what do they say? I'm just so humbled to be here. That is a lie. They are not being humbled. They're being exalted. That's what's going on right there. In fact, uh, you guys can find this. I had some fun uh, with this last week. If you Google search um, uh, like images of people right when they announce the winners of awards, because you know how they have that on the screen. Um, they'll show like all five or six people that were nominated, and then they'll announce the one name. And in an instant, you see on the faces... Right? The one person who is not being humbled and everybody else who is being humbled in that moment. We never want to be humbled. Being humbled is a horrible experience in our lives. And I think in the similar way, the tax collector, he didn't set out to be humble in that space. In fact, he, I doubt he got up one day and said, you know what I'd like to do is be hated by every one of my neighbors. 
He doesn't do that. And the same is true for us in in how sin manifests itself in our lives. We don't set out to be humbled by our sin or to be torn up by it or to be destroyed by it. We think we have, we're on a track that's good. He probably thought, okay, if I go this way, then this will be helpful to me, maybe to my neighbors. I could take advantage of a situation. He's seeing it as a good thing that he's on. And then he finds himself in this humbled position. Now, these two men Jesus is showing us are, are drastically different in, in the ways that, that we see them. But they're also very similar to each other in some other ways. One, they both stand alone. Do you notice this? The, the Pharisee stands up by himself for all to see, and the tax collector stands far off away from a, anyone else. They're not standing with anyone. They're isolated. And both men are under the illusion that what they see about themselves is actually the truth. And this is a common thread for us because so often, just as we have those reactions to what we see in others, we know that other people have that reaction to us. And so we are under so much pressure in our lives to appear certain ways to other people. And whatever they tell us about ourselves, we believe that's the truth about us. Or whatever we tell ourselves about ourselves, we believe that's the truth. But Jesus is actually saying that's not. It's what he sees that is the truth about us. The good news, the harsh news of this story is that when we think we are at the the top of the world, Jesus is saying, no, that's not actually what's going on here. But the good news for you and me is that when we are in the pit of despair, when we are like that tax collector have been humbled by our sin and by the harshness of this life, that that is not the full story for us either. It's what Jesus sees that actually matters. His sight is the sight that counts. Jesus wants you to know that he sees you. Not the you that you project. Not the you that uh, you want the, the top three guesses on from other people that would lead them to you. Not the you of aspiration, but you. Like you, as you actually are, which is sometimes a very scary thought to us. But seeing you, Jesus loves you. He doesn't love what you can do for him. He doesn't love what you represent for the sake of, I don't know, his church, right? He doesn't need you to be something better for the sake of other people. He loves you and he justifies you. And he humbles himself so that you would be lifted up. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.